Wolf. I am the campus pastor over at uh, Millennium Campus, and I'm really glad to be with you this morning. Our lead pastor and his wife, if it's your first time, they are on their 25th wedding anniversary. Uh, we, we as a church sent them on a, on a vacation, and so they are there right now. They will be back with us very shortly. Uh, but this morning you got me, and uh, I'm excited to speak to you this morning. Today I didn't find out that I was preaching like seven hours ago, just for the record. If you were here last week, you would know. Um, so I, I should be a little bit more prepared this time, and uh, so get ready. We are going to have probably more Bible uh, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, and um, Mark chapter 12, and then also Romans chapter, Romans chapter 12. It will be kind of three texts that we're going to look at. We're also going to look at one in Colossians 2, in, in Colossians also. Um, but I'm just so thankful. We had an incredible time uh, this last week. Great things happened this last week. Last week was our Back to Church Sunday. Was that not a lot of fun? That was awesome. It was good. We, it, we had a, saw a lot of first-time guests. And what I'm most excited about was actually this last Friday. Um, we had, I, th- I believe we have a picture, and I believe Greg Wyatt might be in the, in the audience today. I don't want to embarrass you, Greg, but I want to tell you, bro, this is awesome, man, what, the decision that you made. He knew that water baptism was happening next Sunday, but he's going to be out of town. There was no way he could make it. He came up to the office and he said, let's do this. And so, and so our staff got together and you see, uh, you see Pastor Tom there and uh, Kenny, our, our children's worker over at, uh, over at our Millennium Campus, jumped in the pool and uh, it was just awesome. And uh, we're just so proud of you, Greg. And for anybody that's never made the decision to get baptized, Fill that, check that off on your connection card, drop it in the offering bucket as you, as you leave today, and let's do this, all right? Come on, just look to your neighbor and say, let's be a Greg, all right? Come on, we're going to do it. <laughs> and uh, awesome, are you there at Exodus chapter 20? We are beginning a series entitled The Fearless Church, and we felt like as a staff, as we were figuring out what sermon series to do, we just felt like there's a lot of uncertainty right now. There's a lot of uncertainty in our world, in the stock market, in, in uh, finances, in, our, in the job world, um, even with our kids and the culture that they're living in. We wanted to speak some faith into you for the next few weeks and challenge you to be a fearless Christian. And so we've uh, entitled this message, The Fearless Church, because I believe that God has called you and I to be fearless in what we do. And right, less of fear and full of faith, right? We're not going to be fear. Full, we're going to be faithful, and we're going to be fearless. Amen? <laughs> All right. And, uh, you know, a fearless church, if I could break this series down for the next five weeks, it's really simple. In fact, you can help me out this morning. You can use with your hands. I'm going to need your hands just for a second. A fearless church worships Jesus. Go ahead and put your hands up like this. Very good. You're going to get a workout this morning. We reach people. Go ahead and stick your hands out, right? We relate in community. Slap somebody else's high five them. We relate in community. Now, we raise each other up. Go ahead and raise the roof. Come on, church. You can tweet some of your daughters and sons later. Hey, well, I was raising the roof. And then we release people, like you're getting it off of you. We release people into their mission and calling at, at, in, in their life. And so we worship God. We reach people. We relate in community. We get each other's back. We raise each other up as a disciple of Jesus. And we release each other to do everything that God has called them to do exactly what's happening with Greg is exactly what God wants to do with every single person that he was reached and now God's grabbing a hold of them he felt God pulled him to get water baptized to follow obedience in him 
Uh, and that is incredible. And so now Greg's next step is to connect the four. And, uh, and I don't know where you're at, but connecting the four is raising yourself up. And then as you connect the four, just like these wor- youth workers, you're going to be released. And God's going to do great things in your life. Amen? Amen. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Uh, of course, if you've read your Bible a little bit, you would know that this is where we get the Ten Commandments. And I'm just going to read the first two. Uh, and, and all of these scriptures are all around worship. This first week is going to be focused on worship. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Let's let God speak to us today. Look at this. You. That's not your neighbor. That's you, right? That's you and me, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm the creator. Worship the creator. Do not worship the created. That's what he's saying there, right? And a lot of times we worship the created instead of worshiping the creator. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Jesus is speaking here. One of the teachers of the law came to him and and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, He asked him, he said, out of all the commandments, which is the most important? Well, he sums up the two commandments in this. He said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is no other God, it's just him. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now turn over to Romans chapter 12. Now we're going to get some... Uh, Romans is a great theological book. Uh, it, when it comes to Paul, Paul wrote the book of Romans. And this is we get most of our theology and doctrine inside of the book of Romans. And we're right here in the middle of the book of Romans, in chapter 12, verse 1. And this is what Paul says to the church at Rome and also to us today. He says, Therefore... I urge you, I'm urging you today, brothers and sisters. He's not talking to those that don't know God. He's talking to those that do know God. He says, in view of all of God's done, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Think about that. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Let it be holy. Let your life, let your worship be holy. Let, and, and let it be pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing. Then he says, this is your true and proper worship. He did not say four songs on Sunday. He did not say sing tenor at the right part. Right? He's saying, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I've entitled this message this morning, A God-Worshipping Church. And my key thought this morning is this. A fearless Christian always worships Jesus no matter what the cost. A fearless Christian always worships Jesus no matter what the cost. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that God today we are able to open up your Bible, open up your word, and that it speaks revelation to us. I pray over every person that's in this room every person that might be listening to this on podcast or driving down the road today, that, God, you would speak to us. I pray that by the end of this message, we will put you first in every single area of our life, that we would be a fearless church full of fearless Christians that worship you, Jesus, always, no matter what the cost. Amen.
You know, um, we're coming into football season. In fact, NCAA just started this past weekend. Anybody excited about that? Do we have any football fans in the room? Um, I was just looking at the Florida State game yesterday, and uh, at halftime, they were already up 27 against Murray. So that was, uh, I'm sure that was, that was pretty wild. But uh, we're coming into football season, and there is something about NCAA football that is the same everywhere, no matter what. And, uh, and it's a seven-letter word. That happens all the time at every single football game anywhere in the continent. It does not make a difference. And that seven-letter word is this, game day. Automatically, when you say game day, that means quite a few things. And the more of a fan you are, the more that game day really does say a lot. Because game day basically is a free pass for individuals to act absolutely as ludicrous as they would like to for their team. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're married to one of those. Maybe you might almost be married to one of those. Not sure. Maybe you know somebody at, at, at work or whatever. That end game day, they will get their ungodly hours early, right? And uh, they will buy grills. They will paint their dogs. They will, they will take shirts off that should never be taken off. They buy, you know, they got to buy, they got to go to eBay and like get, body paint from China just to, for how much body paint they use. They got to get buckets of it. I mean, they're handing it out. They're putting stuff under and it's just crazy, right? And, uh, and there's something specific that happens in game day. You see this photo here? This just shows you this is a Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguar fan. And uh, I think he's hopefully having a good day. I'm not sure. In all honesty, he slightly looks constipated at the moment. I just... Just, just to be honest, hopefully that's not his real hair, but I wouldn't put it past him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because it's game day. All things are off when it's game day. You know what I'm talking about? And so on game day, there's specifically this moment that always demands a response. And there's this moment when you're in the audience, ESPN is there. How many of y'all have been to a football game before, right? It, it's electric. Some of y'all went to a football game yesterday. I know some of our church went to a Florida State game. They got back here. They got here. They left at 4 in the morning this morning to be here at service on time. That's pretty awesome. That's some dedication. That means they love Jesus and football all at the same time. It's just great. And, uh, and so there's that moment where you're in the audience and you are ready. You're excited. And all of a sudden you see the crane. You see the camera. And then on the top of that camera, all of a sudden the red light goes on. What does that mean? That means that you're live right now. And at that moment, no matter who you are, no matter who your team is, it demands a response from you that goes something like this. <sighs> right? Then you see this really skinny guy like myself getting big, you know, whatever. And right, it, every single time when you turn on the t- TV, it doesn't make a difference. They could be picking their nose before. The moment that crane comes across, it's like... Game on, let's do this. I've been working out all week, you know, right? And, and so, and, and then the infamous happens. It happens every time, no matter what, no matter what area that, you're, that your team is in, no matter if they're first, 10th, 30th, doesn't make a difference if they're like Washington State, like in last place. It, it just doesn't make a difference. They are, they are, no matter where they are, and all of a sudden you take your index finger and you, you give one of these, right? And no matter where they are, you know, and then there's people watching you, I know it's crazy, but they watch you on the other side of the TV when it's on. And they look at you and go, you're in 17th place. Why do you even have your number one up? That is sick, you know. My gosh, I, you know, whatever, you know. And, and, uh, and it's just the truth. And, and, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that we can do the same thing 
with God. Is that when, when, when the camera comes and when, when the red light starts going and Sunday morning is here, it's like, God, you're number one. You're number one. You're number one. And, and, and that's awesome. But my question to you is this, is what about Monday? What about, what about Tuesday? What about when no one's watching? What, what, about, what about in your checkbook, who's number one? What about in your marriage, who's number one? All of a sudden, we get a little bit more quiet when, when that happens. And this is exactly what Paul is saying here in Romans 12. He's saying, guys, it's not just about Sunday. It's not just about songs. It's not just about, about a four-song you know, four list. It's not just about our, what we experience on Sunday morning. No, no, no. No, what does he say? He says, present your bodies, your, your everything to, to God, and let it be holy, and let it be pleasing to Him in every single area of your life. Which brings me to point number one, which is this, is, is a fearless Christian always worships. Now let me prove it to you. In order to do that, let, let me just take just a second here. Uh, we have to get a running definition of, of worship. As I've studied these last few weeks, I'm going I'm, I'm to go ahead. Louis Giglio had a, great, had a great quote on worship that I felt was appropriate for today, especially in light of Romans chapter 12 and a combination of a lot of theologians. Worship is our response to what we value most. Think about that for a second. You've got to put your thinking caps on today, just a little bit today. Worship is our response to what we value most. Every action you make, every thought you think, every, uh, every, every, every uh, breath you breathe, it's a response to what you value. It's a response to what you value. You've got to think about this. Let, let me explain it like this. I love Chick-fil-A. In fact, actually, my parents are in, the room, are in the room this morning. My parents love Piccadilly Cafeteria. They love it. I grew up on it. Right, Mom? Absolutely. And so my parents have a home in the mountains, and, uh, and so they, 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 they're about to go back up. And even as I was talking to them this week, they were discussing how they were going to stop in Atlanta, probably spend the night just so that they could hit the Piccadilly in Atlanta on the way up to North Carolina. Now, here's the deal. They, that response shows you that they value Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry, Piccadilly. Right? I, in other words, just by me talking with my parents, I didn't even have to pose the question, do you guys like Piccadilly? Do you value Piccadilly? There's no point in it because their response shows us that they value that. Does that make sense? I love Chick-fil-A. If I went to Chick-fil-A four times a week, which is not unheard of in the Wolf family, um, you know, after you've seen me go four or five times, you don't even need to ask me anymore because, listen, listen, I value Chick-fil-A, and so because of that, remember we're talking about worship, I sacrifice going other places to what I value. That makes sense. Guys, we are always, we are always worshiping, and as a result, you're always worshiping in everything you do. Right now, you are worshiping. You don't even have a choice in the matter. When you chose today, when you choose to go to Cracker Barrel and some to something else, you are choosing to sacrifice something else to value that. Does that make sense? 
listen, you've got to get this in your heart. You are a worshiper. My friend, in the room today, you're a worshiper. You're like, I didn't lift my hands. It doesn't make a difference. Listen, you are involuntarily a worshiper. You don't even have a choice in the matter. It is woven into your DNA, into your fiber, that you are a worshiper. Now, here's the deal. That is scary. Because you and I are created to worship God. Right? But we're going to always worship something. And so if you're not worshiping God, I promise you, you are going to worship something else. Because you and, my, you and I, we cannot not worship. Does that make sense? A, 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 a fearless Christian always worships. And if you don't watch it, if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something or someone else. Can I tell you what that is? That's idolatry. It's the truth. You are committing idolatry. You are putting other gods before God. And here's the deal. We make idols out of everything. Stay with me. Get this this morning. You and I, we make idols out of everything. Let's go through a few of these. We make idols out of food. Go ahead and put those chicken wings up. We sacrifice. We sacrifice our health. Hear me? Let let me preach this morning. All right? I just got started. Oh, some of y'all haven't hit you yet. It's going to hit you today. All right? Don't get We sacrifice health. We sacrifice sometimes extra money. We sacrifice um, worshiping God with our body. And we lay it all at the altar of our stomach. We really do. And I'm telling you, it's a sin. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Second, let me just give you some more. We make idols out of everything. Uh, Television. Oh, no. All the guys. You have plans later this afternoon. You're like, boy, you better not step on those plans now. You better preach. You better back off. You sacrifice time with your family. You sacrifice time in your word. You sacrifice time in furthering your education. And you sacrifice it all at the altar of the big screen. And it's wrong. And dad, when your daughter comes over to you and says, I want to hang out with you, and you tell them to be quiet because the game's on, you're wrong. You're wrong. That's committing idolatry. And you are, you are called to your kids. Am I saying not don't have TV? No, I'm not saying that. Am I saying that TV is wrong? No, I'm not saying that either. Am I saying don't eat forever? No, don't do that, all right? That's not just, but that's not what the Bible says either, right? Are you with me this morning? Go to the third one. Y'all are scared now. Third thing, let's, let's, and I'm just throwing some out. I could, I could list 100 because we literally make idols out of everything. A house project can become an idol. What started out as a good thing, as being a steward, of being a good guy, of wanting to, have a, wanting to honor God, and all of a sudden the house project is in front of your kids, it's in front of your devotional life, it's in front of you're not coming to church on Sunday anymore, all at the altar of I gotta have the house right. Your house project can become an idol. Money can, of course, become an idol. In fact, that's the root of all evil, am I right? And and not honoring God with your finances, and you're sacrificing having the blessing of God in your life, and you're sacrificing giving, uh, returning 10% to God and giving to God. You're sacrificing that at the altar of I can't afford it. And when you really get the word in you and you really understand worship, you can't not afford it, right? Because... Because God's first in our lives, it's, it's worship. It's putting him number one in every area of our life. Uh, your job can, be, can become an idol. You, you, you go on vacation and you can't turn off the phone. 
You're, out, you're at dinner with your wife and you can't even turn off the phone. That's an idol. When you start changing your schedule around, now listen, I'm not saying you're, you're going to have extra hours. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going over the top here. Your job can become an idol. And all of a sudden you sacrifice your kids, you sacrifice your family, all at the altar of job advancement. And it's wrong. It's wrong. And it's not putting God number one in your life. Your family, get me. Now, you've got to hear this today. This is the truth. Your family, your spouse, your wife, your husband, and your kids can become an idol. Parents, when your kids own your schedule, I know that sounds like a good thing. You need a Sabbath. I know that's crazy. And you're like, you don't have kids. You're right. But I just know the Bible, honestly. And I'm here to tell you that you need to have time. I was just sitting down with a guy that's been married for about 30 years. I played golf with him this weekend. He told me, he said, Glenn, he said, I've been married for 30 years. And he said, he was telling me, he said, you know, I'm, I've seen people all around me that ended up getting divorced. And the number one reason, I'm not even joking. I didn't ask him to say this. He just said this to me. He said, the number one reason, I think, is because their kids ruled their schedule and they, they fell out of love with each other. And it's wrong. Listen, love your kids. Put your, value your kids more than any, anybody else. That makes sense. But they're not your gods. Yeah? You're the parent. Okay, right? Am I right? Yeah. We, we got to put God number one, not over our kids. Entertainment. Yeah, uh, we, we, sacrifice, we, we sacrifice time and energy. And, and many times you pollute your mind at the altar of entertainment. Listen, Christians, we have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be entertained that bad. I don't know about you. Like People are like, hey, man, have you checked out that latest movie? Hey, have you checked out? No, I really haven't. Am I against going to movies? No, I love to take my wife out on a date. We go see a movie. There's not many movies that we can see because we don't want to, but there are some that we want to do. I'm just here to tell you, we don't need to be entertained that bad. Right? I mean, come on, it's just the truth. And, and, and man, we can find ourselves stuck in front of a TV episode, stuck in front of something, and all of a sudden that demands our schedule. And it's wrong. We've got to lay that down. That is idolatry. Uh, sports, the big game. I already talked about that just a little bit. But that, you can sacrifice time and energy. Let's move on. Cutting the grass can become an idol in your life. I'm telling you, you can make it out of everything. Listen, I have heard that people will not come to church on Sunday morning because it's the optimal time for them to cut their grass. Grass is their idol. I'm not even joking. We can make idols out of everything. It's the truth. Ministry can become an idol. Your priorities start out great. You're all about God. And all of a sudden, you're more focused on doing the job of ministry than knowing the God of ministry. And it's wrong. We can make idols out of everything. Listen, none of these are bad, but they can all be bad if we don't watch it. Does that make sense? Because we are prone to worship. We will always be worshiping something, right? Which brings me to point number two. A fearless Christian always worships Jesus. It's not just about worshiping, because all of us are going to worship. I did not entitle this message a, a, a worshiping church, even though I originally did, because that didn't make any sense to me. I don't want to just be a worshiping church, because every church is a worshiping church. The Buddhist church is a worshiping church. We are a God-worshiping church. We worship Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, the Son being Jesus. This is great theology, by the way. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Listen to this. I bolded it in my, in my notes. All things have been created through. 
through Jesus and for Jesus. You might even want to underline that. You are created through him and for him. That's what you are created to do. That's amazing. Jesus created you through him, through his DNA, and also for him. And then look at the very end of verse 18. It says, and he is the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything, everybody's saying everything, in everything, he might have the supremacy. That word supremacy in the Greek is pro, is pro tuo, if I could say it right, which literally, get this, it literally means to be first. You were created through him and by him to make G, in, for that, so that in everything you do, you make Jesus number one. Isn't that amazing how that just co- totally correlates with Romans 12, with Mark chapter 12, with, Roman, with, with uh, Exodus chapter 20, and the list could go on and on and on. Guys, we are created to worship Jesus always. Um, we're, we're, and so here's the deal. The big question this morning that you're probably asking if you're listening on podcasts, you, this is our big question, is how do I know who or what I am worshiping? How do we do that? How do we take spiritual inventory today? How can you know today what, how you're doing? How can you really know? It's very, very simple. Here's the answer to that question. To the question of how do I know that I'm putting Jesus number one in my life? Here's the deal. You follow the trail. You follow the trail. Let me explain. First of all, two things about the trail. The trail never lies, and the trail leads to a throne. Listen, Jesus explains the trail in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, which literally is, is money, that's where your heart is, with all your soul, which is loyalty, especially when you break down that, that word uh, back to its originality, with all your mind, which is all your thoughts, your priorities, your calendar, right? And then with all your strength, which is your energy. And listen, your tr- there are two things about the trail. Your trail never lies, and your trail always leads to a throne. Now, now here's, the six, here's the five questions that I want you to ask yourself today. You should have these in your notes this morning. And the, these, these are the five questions. I want you to take a personal inventory of your life right here, right now. Whose throne does my money trail lead to? Whose throne does my money trail lead to? I, I always tell people, show me your checkbook and I'll tell you who you worship. It's really simple. If you are not uh, returning a tenth percent of all of your income, not just part of it, not just some of it. I didn't say 9%. I didn't say 7%. I didn't say 4%. I didn't say when you wanted to. That's not what the Bible says. Are you, are you worshiping God with your money? Not number one when the camera's on. I'm talking about in your checkbook, are you fearless enough to worship God when, because nobody watches you write out your tithe check, right? Only your spouse will realize that you're unintegrous about your Christian life. But nobody else will, right? So are you worshiping God with your money? Do you, do you give your tithe? Do you give offerings when God speaks to you to do that? In other words, does your money lead to the throne of God? Amen? Yeah? Number two, whose throne does my loyalty trail lead to? Uh, uh, is God only your God as long as things turn out the way you want? Like he's a genie. Well, God, as long as you answer all these prayers, I'll be there this Sunday. But the moment something happens to my kids, the moment something happens to, to this, the moment that, I, that my job is unshakable or, or is, on, is on the rocks, the moment that something happens, I'm out. 
What, what are you saying? I'm fearful about my walk with you. And I'm really not all in. Does God have your loyalty in all you do in your worship? Does God have your loyalty? What throne does your loyalty end up at the end of the day? Does it go to your throne? Or does it go to Jesus? Number three. Is this good this morning? You guys doing okay? Okay. I feel like I'm beating you up. It's good though. The Bible does that, by the way. But number three, whose throne does my thoughts trail lead to? What about the thoughts you think that no one else knows about? Your spouse, your kids. What thoughts do you think about God? What's your perspective on heaven? What's your perspective on Jesus? What's your perspective on God? What's your perspective on the church? What trail do your thoughts lead to? Uh, Number number four, because we've got to keep moving on. Whose throne does my priorities trail lead to? In other words, what, whose throne does your calendar trail lead to? Pastor said something so profound, and it was so simple. He just said, you know, if we don't calendar prayer, we'll never do it. Isn't it the truth? Right? I mean, you try to do it without a calendar. You try to do it without a schedule, and maybe, you'll, maybe once or twice, and automatically something will happen. And if you do not calendar prayer into your life, who are you worshiping? I mean, really. You're missing the joy of being a part of Jesus and being in his presence. And so, where does your calendar, show me your calendar, I'll show you your values. Show me your calendar, I'll show you your values. Uh, number five is this. Whose throne does my energy trail lead to? This is all based on Mark chapter 12. What gets the best of your energy? You know, I was really convicted, I was listening to a leadership talk a couple months ago, and I found myself that by the end of the day, um, with my wife, my wife ended up getting my worst energy. Because I was dead from work, for the ministry, I was tired, I was worn out, and then we would have date night, both of us would be kind of tired, and I wasn't putting this on her, I knew for myself, she was getting the worst of my energy, and I am called to value her, and so I made a decision that I'm going to start, I'm going to start working my schedule around so that I am at my utmost energy when I'm with my wife, because God's called me to do that, I didn't put that on her, we didn't really even have a conversation about it, it's just me personally, who gets your energy, what throne does your energy go to? And I'm telling you, if those six things will tell you very quickly where you are, because the trail will always never lies, and the trail always leads to a throne, right? I can say I love Chick-fil-A, but if I never go to Chick-fil-A, I don't have a trail that goes to Chick-fil-A. I'm lying, right? Amen? Which brings me to point number three this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Let me, let me, brings me to Exodus chapter 20. This is why Jesus, uh, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. It's my throne that everything should go to. And if you are off in one of these, you need to get that right today. You need to hear the voice of the Lord and line yourself up so that God is number one in your life in every single area. A fearless Christian always worships Jesus and no one else. Which brings me to point number three here. A fearless Christian always worships Jesus no matter what the cost. Right? Because this is where, it, this is where I'm, I'm landing this thing. Tom, you can go ahead and come to the keys. This is where it gets interesting because a fearful Christian will worship Jesus until his fears take over his faith. Well, I've got to say that again. You're, you might be conking out of me this morning. A fearful Christian will worship Jesus until his fears become more than his faith. In other words, you'll tithe as long as everything works out perfect, as long as there's increase coming. And, but the moment that you're fearful about it, all of a sudden, your worship is going to cease to Jesus. And so what happens is that you sacrifice worshiping God at the altar of uncomfortability. You sacrifice worshiping God. I love what Christina said earlier. She was quoting Revelation chapter 4. The sea of crystal. 
God's on his throne. 24 elders, thousands upon thousands of people, and he's the throne. And I'm sacrificing all of that at the, at, at, at the altar of God. I'm just too fearful to step out and start tithing. God, I'm too fearful to step out and start, and start putting you first in every area of my life. And can I tell you, almost all thing, all the problem issues that you, that are results of your life, are worship issues. Did you notice in Exodus chapter 20, the first two can take care of the other eight? You don't have an issue with lying when Jesus is number one in every area of your life. You don't have an issue with coveting when Jesus is number one in every area of your life. If you get the first two right, the other eight take care of themselves. And can I tell you an affair? If you cheat on your spouse, that was a worship issue. That's what it was. You chose to worship. You chose to sacrifice your spouse. And you chose to sacrifice your family. You chose to sacrifice the, 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 the integrity of your of your of your. Of your relationship you 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 chose to sacrifice your reputation and ultimately you chose to sacrifice the word of god over your life at the altar of i need this right now it is wrong and almost every listen you're in financial issues troubles today and if you did it i know sometimes we are there's stuff that's thrown on us that's different i'm talking about you personally it's a worship issue the bible says don't be slave to a lender but then we have a latest iphone and our credit card bills are huge and, 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 our, and our, our car payment is as much as some people's house payment. That's a worship issue. There's nothing else around it. We've got to put all of our, it's not just, sometimes we think money, we just think, okay, I'm giving my, my tithe, but then everything else, I'm on my own. No, 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 no. You, you return your tithe to God, and then there's a blessing on the other 90%, and then inside of that, not to, the blessing isn't just getting more money, it's being more smart with your money, it's being good stewards with your money, and it's allowing you to worship God with the rest of that money. And, 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 and listen, this is just between you and God. And, and, and so you've got to get this this morning. Listen, we've got to be fearless Christians that are going to look at fear, look at the uncertainty in life. In this city, there are 37,000 people. Let's let the 500, a part of this church, be fearless. Let's show this city that we are going to worship Jesus no matter what the cost. And I'm not talking about singing on Sunday morning. I'm talking about on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, in your checkbook, with your spouse, honoring your kids right, allowing the Holy Spirit to convict you all the time, all the time as you're worshiping Him. Even today, you've got to make a decision to let pride go and just go, God, I'm wrong. God, He, he has my number. You, you have my number today. You spoke to me today. I've only been tithing 8%. I'm wrong. God, forgive me. I haven't been doing anything. I, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not honoring my spouse right. I've, I've made the, the game an idol. I don't know what it is for you today, but I want to give you the opportunity to walk out of here under the blessing of God in your life. A fearless Christian worships Jesus no matter what the cost. Let's stand together. Let's pray.